Hi, I'm Aileen Gaynor, and this is my husband, Dave Gaynor, and our baby, Hudson. Hi, I'm Julie Corelli. So me and Aileen were in the same lab group at school, and so we were talking, and I remember I texted her one day before the Christmas Eve Eve service. I think I texted her like a picture of the card with a bunch of details inviting her and Dave out to church for the Eve Eve service. It was a very big, immediate difference. We were kind of shocked the first time that we were there. Dave and I saw these like three little girls worshiping so hard and oh, yeah. it made us so excited for Hudson to be big enough to like get what he was doing and do the same thing. I think for both of us, we didn't really incorporate God into our everyday life um, before True North. That's something that's really changed for us as a couple and a family. It's now more of like an everyday thing for us and before it was more of just a Sunday ritual. I definitely feel like I, I'm more in touch with God now. And just like every single week on the True North, I learn more and more. Pastor Jesse speaks to you, it, it hits home every time. I think my biggest lesson that I learned in regards to inviting people to church is that you just have to do it. And as awkward and uncomfortable as you might feel, awesome things like this happen and you get to go to church with all your friends. And then um, just when you feel like the Holy Spirit telling you to tell someone about Jesus or about church, you don't want to ignore that. You just want to step out in faith and trust that God's going to back you through it all. Jesus has also changed my life because he gave me this and this. <laughs> <laughs> We give God some praise. It's good to be in his house. To our family at Collingswood, to everyone here at Mansfield, good morning. Man, it's good to be in the house of God, isn't it? Um, if you're here for the first time, welcome. We're sincerely glad um, that you're with us today. I'm excited um, for us in this season as, as a family, as a community of believers. Uh, how many have been inviting people to the house of God, sharing with them the greatest message to all humanity? Uh, I've, like six people clapped. That was pretty cool. Um, I gave this card to someone. Oh, I've been giving this card to everyone all week, but I gave the card the other day to someone. I said, hey, do you go to church? They're like, no. I was like, hey, do you want to come to a church? Well, and I was like, well, here, here's the invitation. He goes, well, this card's really soft. And I said, uh, it is. Um, you should come check our church out. And he's like, this is a really nice card. I said, yeah, it, it's a nice card, and um, you should come to church. And uh, I don't know if he will, um, but he loved the card and the invitation, which was awesome. Um, um, I'm excited because in this season, for, in the life of our church, a lot is going on, but more importantly, God's at work in the hearts of people. And that's ultimately what it's all about. Amen? Um, how many of you are parents? Just by the show of hands, you have children? Um, one of the things I've been realizing in my life over the last um, two years is the importance of my wife and I to be on the same page. Um, Harper's five, she's the oldest, and sometimes I think she's 15, but she's five, and, and I've noticed the importance for us to be on the same page regarding anything simple about like, can I have an extra snack? Can I have this? Can I wear that? Can I go outside? Can I watch TV? Can I play the iPad? Whatever it may be, the importance of us being on the same page. Unity and a unified front is important. Now, it's only important if you have a desire to lead someone or something. 
If you have no desire to lead people in your world and you have no desire to even lead yourself, then there's no point in even listening any further because the whole purpose of this is really for us to lead ourselves well and to also have unity. So as parents, you realize this early on, like the moment your kids figure out that they can play you against one another. Like, I was like, oh, I got like 10 years before this happens. This, this is, I got, don't even need to worry about that. And just the other week, you're just watching my children, and they learn from one another very quickly. A three-year-old can learn from a five-year-old like that, and then all of a sudden, she's doing the exact same thing big sister was doing. And her older sister was very, very smooth um, with the fact of asking if she could play um, on her iPad, and I... And I heard her approach her mother, and her mother says, not right now. She comes up, she goes, hey, Dad, I was thinking maybe, like, I could play on my iPad, maybe. <laughs> and Dad's kind of just like, yeah, sure, that's fine. And her eyes lit up, and I was like, hold on, wait, what did Mom say? She's like, ah, oh, you know, starts kicking and just storms out of the room. I'm like, okay, I guess we're on the same page, you know what I mean? And I've realized, listen, this is not a message about parenting, um, I wanna to talk to you about unity and what it should look like in our lives. Um, many of us are affected by discord, disunity, disruption, dysfunction. Some of you think I'm describing your family, and I feel like I'm describing mine, but you know, in church, we don't do this that well. But the truth is we should, because within the word of God, there are dozens of scriptures and teachings from Jesus himself as to how you and I should live a life of unity. Um, let me just begin by saying this, just in case you think I'm some weird person who doesn't live on this planet. I've been in family discord. I've been in environments of business where there's discord and dysfunction. Um, I've been involved in church where there's discord and disunity um, and dysfunction and I've been part of that, and I've watched it, and I realized the wounds and the problems it creates amongst people. But do you know that this word community comes out of this idea of having a common unity, of having a common ground of unity in something. And for us, as believers in Jesus Christ, our common unity, which defines us as a community of believers, is Jesus. It's Jesus. It's not anything else. Sometimes it's, 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 we describe it as the culture of the community, but it's beyond the culture, meaning it's beyond what we say. It's beyond the environment. It's beyond the, it's beyond the design of how we do things. It's beyond that. It actually means that we are a common unity as a community because of Jesus, because of Jesus. Now, this is, this is the thing. Um, attraction, there's an attraction found in unity. There's an attraction found in it. And actually, when, when you can be on common ground with someone and there's a peace and a harmony, do you know, some of you think that unity means that there's the absence of, of, of disagreement and the absence of conflict. That's a lie. That's not truth. So some of you say, well, then how can unity exist? Unity doesn't mean that everyone agrees with everything. Unity means that you come, we come together from different backgrounds and different places with different opinions, but we have a common unity found in Christ. And we take all the other disagreements and we actually, according to the word of God, can navigate ourselves to a place of peace and harmony. 
Do you know that most of the time when discord is present, it is because, it's not most time, all the time rather, it's because it's the byproduct of sin in our life. Now, some of us immediately in church are like, whoa, 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 I, I'm doing well. I'm not, I'm not who I used to be, and God's doing things in me, and he's changing my heart, and, and, and my family's being changed, and all of that, and that's fantastic. But what I've learned is that actual trust, trust, how many of you know that trust takes a while for that to develop in any relationship? doesn't happen overnight, it doesn't happen in two weeks or in three weeks. Some statistics show that it can take up to seven years for people to finally trust someone. Trust someone to what? To where they're actually honest with who they are and vulnerable in conversations. But do you know that unity is actually the byproduct of vulnerability, of transparency and honesty? And so in church, this is the problem. This is the challenge, I should say, for us to gather together and come around this common unity of Christ Jesus and say, hey, we can have disagreements, we can we cannot agree on this and disagree on that, we can have all of that, but we need to come together around the common unity who is, who is Jesus Christ, right? Come around this common unity and recognize that he is the author and the perfecter of our faith and that we need to actually humble ourselves and submit our hearts to him and commit to the process. I've, I've learned that, that the process of maturity um, is, is painful. <laughs> it, doesn't feel, it doesn't feel good. And do you know why? Because it fights against your flesh. And it says to you that actually there is a way to deal with bitterness. There's a way to deal with unforgiveness. There's a way to deal with offense. See, in church world, sometimes we don't actually like to get to the root of the problem. We just like to say a scripture, and we think that we've dealt with things. But the truth is, in order for us to, to demonstrate the love of Christ to other people, and for them to see the attraction of unity that we have as a community of believers, then we need to be honest with ourselves and say, okay, what are the areas in my life that I'm just kidding myself with, and not, I'm just not, I'm not paying any attention to them? I'm pretending like they don't exist, but they really do exist. Can I tell you that when you ignore issues in your life, they will not disappear. Time does not make pain go away. Some people say, no, time heals all things. It's not true. Truth does. And when you hide things in the darkness, it finds a place to manifest itself. But when you hold it to the light, and when I say hold it to the light, you know what I mean? Talk about it. Confess it. Talk about it. See, because this is what I've realized, church, the power that we have in our world of influence actually begins in the simple relationships that we already have established. What power do I have to connect with other people if people know that I haven't talked to my parents in six years? What power do I have in, in telling people the attraction of loving Jesus, of, a, of being a follower of Christ, if I have discord and disunity amongst my, my family and my friends? Now, this is the awesome nature of our God. He loves us so much that he doesn't repel us when we're unfaithful and we do things wrong. He still calls us to himself. Meaning this, if, if, we, if we're missing the mark and we're not doing the things we should do, God doesn't say, oh gosh, you're a screw up. I can't deal with you. You gotta, you gotta go. He doesn't say that. He says, keep coming to me. Yeah. It's all right. 
it's all right. Pick yourself up. Keep coming to me because God knows that as we pursue him and his perfection, Christ Jesus, that he begins to do a work in us. And when he does a work in us, he'll begin to do a work through us and we'll find ourselves having the strength that doesn't come from ourselves but comes from the Holy Spirit that enables us to have conversations that we need to have. Some of us have created environments of discord and disharmony because it's the only thing we're used to. Do you know why? Because the discord protects the real root of the issue, which is insecurity and sometimes pride. Our nature will fight so hard to protect pride. Do you know how I know this? Because it exists in me. Because it exists in all humanity. Because pride says you're not wrong, they are. Pride says you don't need to forgive, it's their fault. Pride says you were right, they were wrong, forget about them, move on. Problem is, is that many of us carry pains and, and wounds and issues from the, from the past and we never bring them to the, to the front of the cross before Jesus and say, God, I'm, this is killing me inside. And I really believe as a church, like it's more than than just the external invitation for people to come. Like we need to, we need to invite ourselves first to come to the place of the cross and say, God, I'm dealing with this. God, help me in this area. And can I tell you, I, I was recently listening to this cognitive neuroscientist talk about thoughts. It was fascinating for me, I was blown away that thoughts actually take up real, every thought we have takes up, every, every thought we have takes up real, physical real estate in our brain. Every thought. Every thought you have. And one of the things that was fascinating in her 30 years of studying the brain and how it works and how it operates, she basically said that a negative thought, that a bitter thought, that an envious thought, a jealous thought, an offensive thought actually, in her definition, is actually damaging to the brain. That you can see that, that an unformed negative thought in your mind or a formed negative thought actually does damage to one's brain. But you know, this is where the flesh and the desires to protect our own pride and our own insecurities and our own vulnerabilities. She says that once that thought comes into the light, and we actually talk about it, and we bring it before God, not to just talk about it and to beat ourselves up of things that happened in the past or to talk negatively about someone else in our world, but to bring it to Christ and say, God, this is what I'm dealing with. Talk to somebody else who loves you and loves God and talk about it. She says the moment that thought, that issue, that pain, that insecurity actually comes to the light, it begins to get weakened, and it can actually be changed. She says, we're not the byproducts of our brain. Actually, the, the mind or the soul rather forms the brain. And to understand that from a scriptural context is fascinating. It says that many of us, or we, in, in, in knowing what the, the byproduct of the church, many of us come into church and we know what the word of God says and we repeat scriptures and we say things all the time, but there are many things in our life that we need to be set free from and it's a matter of us bringing them into the light of Christ and talking about those things with someone else. And you know what this does? It frees you from things. It frees you from things. It doesn't allow you to live in a bonded um, 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 uh, uh, 
a life of bondage and restriction. It actually frees you to have better relationships with people around you. See, the only way that unity can actually come to pass is if we begin by just being honest with ourselves. I'll be very, very candid. Um, it's, It's hard. It's hard. Like just the, the other day, my wife and I, we were, we were having a conversation about something, and it was just simple things. But do you know how sometimes like simple things, you're like, should I say that, or is that like just me complaining, or is like, and then I'm thinking in my head, if I say this, this could take a beautiful day and destroy it, you know? And it, I'm not kidding you, it was just one of the, it was the silliest things. It was like, my wife was doing the dishes, and I kind of started to hover over her, and she's like, if I'm doing them wrong, you can do them. I was like, yeah, I kind of like the dishes to be this way. And she's like, you do the dishes. And I was like, that didn't work the way I wanted it to do. And so then we just started having this simple dialogue about things. And the truth is, is that it was uncomfortable, but I was so grateful that I have someone that I can trust in even my silly, ridiculous OCD mannerisms that I can honestly say that I trust someone I can be vulnerable before them and say, hey, I'm okay if you know that I'm crazy. <laughs> like, I'm okay if you know my quirks and my, my shortcomings and my insecurities. Like, I'm okay with that. And you know, the truth is, is that that trust, I I don't think just happens automatically. It's something that all of us need to understand that it's, it's, it's something that's required of us to step into that and just say, I'm just going to trust. I'm going to believe that, that God can take what we have and make it stronger. I'm going to believe that what, what, what we have, God can make it, make it more beautiful and that unity can be demonstrated through our relationship. See, let's not kid ourselves. People who know us and know our stories know that we're not perfect. Amen? Know that we're not perfect. So stop pretending like you're perfect. Stop pretending like you have it all figured out. Stop pretending like everything is, is, is always the way that you planned it to be. I actually think honesty and transparency is one of the greatest tools in, in us witnessing to other people about the power of Jesus Christ. It's being honest and saying, hey, I don't have it all figured out, but this is what I do know. This is what Christ did in my life. This is what he's done in in my marriage, in my family, in my job, at work, in school, whatever it may be. Just talk from the place of what you do know, not what you're covering up. Covering things up never bring us to a place of unity. I don't know about you, but there's one thing that I love. I love when there is unity because it is, it's so attractive. It's so attractive. It's like I love when, when my wife and I can argue and we can look at each other and say, hey, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have said that, and just move on. Man, it's nice. Don't happen all the time. <laughs> Wish it did. But that's not because of her. It's because of me most of the time, and sometimes it's her, but mostly it's me. <laughs> And it's insecurities and it's vulnerabilities. You don't ever want to admit you're wrong. You want to be the person that has all the solutions. You want to be the person that, but can I tell you, the truth is, is unity is only a reality when you stop thinking all about you, which is really hard because we're all by nature very selfish. 
And it requires us to be vulnerable and honest with one another and get to a place that we can pursue Jesus for who he is. Do you know we are the only community on this side of eternity that actually has divine words about how we are to live with unity that reflects the peace and the harmony and the love of Jesus Christ? On my way over this morning, I Googled, I had this Bible program and I was just put in there about the biblical approach to dealing with conflict within the church. There was like 15 pages of verses that came up. And I said, man, we have divine instructions on how to deal with discord. (laughs) Divine instructions and how seldomly we do it. I mean, many of you know that like when you're part of church, um, discord can happen amongst people and And the reason being is because when you step into an environment that's not about you, it's hard because it it exposes insecurities in you and and you have to understand that that people who come to this church and people who are new to this church, um, they're on their own journey. And when people are in their journey with the Lord, it requires us to be patient as the Lord is patient with us. Jesus was talking to his disciples in John Chapter 17, verse 20. I want to read to you his prayer. It's powerful. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me. He's he's saying that my prayer is not just for the disciples that are physically present before me. He's saying that my prayer also for those who will believe in me through their message. This is a prayer that Jesus prayed for you. Right here, right now, in this place. Over 2,000 years ago, he said this prayer with you in mind. I pray also for those who will be true North Church, that they will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Everybody say, be one. Be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Did you catch that? His prayer for us is that we would be one. It's his prayer. Of all things, it could have been been a prayer for for anything about about where we would be in our journey, about how we would talk, what we would say, how we would act, how we would engage. He says, no, my my prayer, Father, is that there would be unity amongst the believers. I, I, I don't, I know what it is. I know what it is, it's sin. Sin is the one thing, especially in the body of Christ, that that causes discord, dysfunction. We have so many denominations across across the globe and around the planet, so many different beliefs. Do you know that if you would, I've talked to people all the time and I've invited them to church. And I, and I said, hey, I'd like you to come to the church. And they say, well, I can't, I'm Catholic. And I said, well, no, no um, okay. And I said, no, no, you, you, you're a Christian. They said, no, I'm Catholic. And I don't even have it in me to tell them that Catholicism is a Christian belief. But see, this is what they know. They've, they've iso- this is the byproduct of our world today. Everyone has backed up, backed themselves into a corner of their own box. And they only know how they disagree with people around them rather than the unity. Very, very, very few people know that 95, maybe more percent of doctrine is the same within the Christian church. (laughs) Oh, really? I didn't know that. I saw this and this and this. 
Some of the distinctions are significant. And we differ from other people in some of their opinions. But do you know that unity can still be celebrated in the significance of what we believe? But for some reason, insecurity always and pride rises its head and says, you're different. Your beliefs are different. God forbid if someone would say, yeah, but what about the other 90% that we can celebrate of what we're like? You see, sometimes pride will find the only thing that you differ with, and you know what it'll do? It'll push you away from it. It'll push you away from it. Can I just tell you that the enemy has attacked it, and it's for us not to be one. Have you ever seen, um, what was it, uh, the movie uh, Gladiator? Gladiator. Do you remember the part? I know some of you are like, that's kind of bloody. I loved it. And um, do you know... Um, my father always used to play uh, Braveheart on repeat at our house. My mother did not like it, but we were like, yeah, you know, all the boys, awesome. And um, uh, Gladiator, do you remember the one part when they're all, they get it, they're all over the place. They're scattered in the arena and the enemy is coming through and just picking them apart. And then the leader calls them together. Do you remember he gets them all together and he starts screaming like as one. You remember that part? Like how, how awesome that was. And they defeat the enemy. Do you know, it may seem silly, but the same is true in a spiritual context, that the enemy just wants us to be scattered. Say, oh, I don't need to be in church. I have the Lord. <laughs> I don't need the church. It's just the problem with that statement. It's, it's just not biblical. And Jesus said the exact opposite of what you're saying. He said over dozens, nearly a hundred times that you and I need one another that we need to be part of the community, the body of Christ, that our gifts and our talents are not our own, that they're supposed to be added together within the community. We're supposed to pray for one another, encourage one another, correct one another. Why? Because we have a common unity in our community of believers, and it's Christ Jesus. The only thing that pushes us away is our pride and insecurity, and it's our pain of offense and bitterness and all of those things. And I'm telling you, if it has not happened to you yet, it will. People come to church and, and they say, oh, love this. I've been looking for a church like this. This church is perfect. And when they say stuff like that, I'm like, oh God. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, just stick around a few more weeks. I will say something on the platform that will offend you and you'll leave and never come back not with intention, but I know the nature of humanity, that we're broken, we're sinful people, and that if we don't constantly rally behind this principle of having a common unity found in Christ alone, then we all end up just chasing our tails and we all end up just being part of environments that never actually infringe on the sin that we find ourselves hiding in. And the only way that unity can become a reality is if we individually come before Christ and say, God, help me with this. Can't play games and grow in maturity. Like, it just doesn't happen. Like, good intentions are not enough. 
We can all come to church. Do you ever realize how, like, when you're sitting, because I sit in your seat plenty of times in, in different environments, and I sit in, those seat, in, in the same seat that you're in, and I say, oh, man, I'm changing that. Man, I gotta fix that. I gotta be honest with Liza. I gotta be honest with, with my, my, my mom or my dad or my brothers and sisters or different things. I gotta talk to, I gotta work on that. And the moment I, I get out of the room, I'll just wait for another month or so when I get a little bit stronger or something happens and I that and it's gone. The intentions, you know what I'm talking about? Am I the only person that does that? Some of you are like, you are. Okay, fine. Uh, it's usually like when, when God speaks to me, it requires something of you. It's not easy to deal with those things. Can I tell you what is easy? What is easy? It's easy just to not pretend. It's the easy just to pretend they're gonna go away if I ignore them. But can I tell you what the byproduct of that is? There's never vulnerability and honesty in a relationship. And when there's no vulnerability and honesty in, relation, in relationships, there's no trust. And where trust is absent, there is no unity. And as believers, we need to identify, listen, in this room, there are plenty of things for us to disagree about. But we're supposed to be known for the common unity that holds us together and it's found in Christ, can you say amen? In John chapter 17, verse 22, his prayer continues. He says, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Do you get the significance of this? Christ is praying to the Father and he's saying, my prayer is that they will be brought to complete unity. I love how he prays this prayer because he doesn't say, will you just pixie dust everybody and then just all have us smile and love one another? He said, no, no, it's a process to be brought from where you are to another place requires a process. He says, God, my prayer is that they would be brought to a place of partial unity, no, of complete unity. Complete unity, which means that we have to come together and realize, like, I can't be in the house of God and just show up and kind of just say, God, um, please don't, don't touch on any heartstrings, don't touch on any issues, don't touch on any relationship stuff. I'm having a good week. I just wanted to kind of just go with the flow. Do you know that you need to fight for unity? That you need to protect it? That you need to fight against discord and disruption? I remember early on, as my wife and I were beginning to really develop significant trust in one another in our marriage, I remember one of the, the silly tensions, but it was one when we would fight. After the arguments, she would, she would, she would go to talk to her mom. And, and for me, it wasn't confusing because she's the only daughter in, in her family and her, her and her mother have a great rapport and relationship. And so it was this common friend that she could talk to. It made sense early on, but I remember I got so angry and bitter that, that I wasn't the person that she was working issues through with. So what, like you need to trust me. Like you're married to me, not to your mom, you know? Whenever you do this with your head, like, <laughs> you just know, like, it's not good. It's not going to end where you want it to land, you know? It's just going to, then you're just going to be back to tracking. 
But I remember, listen to me, I remember wanting desperately for us to have this unified front. And I realized something early on, like, some of you are like, oh yes, but can I tell you something? I learned that it wouldn't be easy. But I also learned that autopilot in any relationship does not produce a greater trust. And when people tell me that I've spent all this time with them, that does not equate to trust and unity because I can spend a lot of time with people and never open up. I can spend a lot of time with people and never be honest about how I feel. I can spend a lot of time with people and never tell them how I really feel about the situation of the past or how I feel about the future or how I feel about those things. And so it's not just time, it's really trusting. And you know who you need to trust in engaging this conversation? It's not the person you're talking to, it's trusting God. Say, no, I'm going to be vulnerable, but I know that you may not be, a, you're not going to be able to provide me with the security I need. And I think that's the purpose of this. It's why Christ wants us to be brought to a place of complete unity. It's because he wants us to trust that he's for us and not against us, that he loves us enough to, 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 to not leave us, to not forsake us, and to walk us through the, the difficult conversations that we need to have. You know, I believe this is one of the most powerful tools in us ministering and reaching people who were lost. And I don't need to know by a show of hands, but I can pretty much guarantee there are a lot of you in this room who have family who are far from God. Can I just throw something out there to you? It's not going to be the next apologetics book that you get them. It's, it's, it's not going to be the next argument you have about politics or sexuality or abortion or... It's just, it's not going to be that. It's not going to be the next miracle that God does in your finances or does in your health. I'm sorry to tell you that it's not. Can I tell you where I believe the simplicity of the proof of the power of the gospel? It's in your relationship with them. It's in the relationships you have with the people that are closest to you. See, sometimes we always look beyond the simple that's before us. And saying, God, I just, I believe that my relationship with my siblings can be greater than it is. I believe that my relationship with my bride can be greater than it is. God, I believe that I can lead better. God, I believe that I can instruct better. God, help me with this. There's a vulnerability that's required. But man, when you place yourself in a place like that, I'm telling you, it becomes attractive. And people will come up to you saying, why'd you do that? Sometimes we have to be willing to endure embarrassment for unity to become a reality. And I have to, for me, for me, it's more about who's right and who's wrong. For me, it's a matter of like, well, I just, you know, need to teach them a lesson. <laughs> For me, it's like, well, you know, it's not my responsibility. Make all these excuses. And if the excuse appeases your flesh, can I just tell you something? This is what I've realized. It probably finds its root in sin. And so as believers in Christ, we need to make sure that we come around this idea that unity is attractive to those who are far from God. And I'm excited because I really believe that some of you are willing to step out in faith and to deal with some things that are just unspoken and unaddressed. Can I tell you, some of you are going to be very angry at me. Like we, we are having a great week till the ride home from church. <laughs> this pastor told us to talk about this stuff. 
approach all things with love. Do you know what that means? It means that you don't have an expectation of how things will work out in the conversation, but you have a hope and a belief that it will work for good. But if it doesn't, it's okay. Do you know why? Because you were just honest and vulnerable about where you are. See, this is the unique thing in a relationship. It requires both of you to come to a place of honesty and vulnerability. And I love it. I love watching people that are new in marriage. You're like, I'm honest, I'm vulnerable. And they do this, like, they're not, you know? And I'm like, well, this is the, you can't be married by yourself. Like, you have to be committed to the, page, to the process of them being brought to a place of willingness to be vulnerable. And you know, sometimes relationships have a way of not drawing us to a place of unity, but pushing us away from it. And so we develop behaviors that kind of protect us from getting too vulnerable. So that's enough, don't wanna talk about it no more. No, 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 I don't wanna go there. Can I just tell you just to seek the Lord first in all things and pray that the unity would have a byproduct and may the byproduct be peace a peace that Christ only gives, a peace that surpasses all understanding, a peace that brings unity amongst marriages, amongst family, amongst sons and daughters with their mothers and their fathers, a unity and a harmony that is found in relationships with co-workers and with friends and, and, and colleagues and students. I believe with all my heart that if we can find our place in trusting God, man, unity will be one of those things that people point about you in your life and they're like, I don't know what it is, but they live in a place of peace and harmony with all people. And man, I love that. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let me pray for you this morning. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, as the church was being planted, it says that all believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. In Acts 2, 47, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I love how in this text we see that there was a common ground. There was this unity that was presented. I know that some people would say, well, what's, what is it? What is that common unity? It's simple. It's the power of salvation that comes through Christ alone. It's our love and our focus on Jesus Christ. So I know where you find yourself today in your journey, or maybe you found yourself positioned in a season of life where you're happy just where you are, and you've navigated your way around all conflict, all disagreement, all discord, and you found a nice quiet place. Can I just ask you to be vulnerable with the Lord? Not with anyone else. It begins by being honest with yourself before God and saying, God, where is it? What am I running from? What am I fearful of? What am I insecure about? God, why am I not willing to confront this person? Why am I not willing to have that conversation? I'm telling you, when you bring things to the light, God can begin to heal. God can begin to restore. God can begin to set free. You don't need to live bound. You don't need to play anymore. You don't need to act like everything is perfect when things are not perfect in your world. 
that you can still believe that God is for you and not against you and that God will restore relationships and that God is a healer and still talk about the pain. David was so honest before God because he trusted him. He was honest with his hurts and with his pains and with his insecurities, with his fears before God. And can I tell you, that's how we should be with our Heavenly Father. I want to pray for every one of you as you are here this morning. I want to pray that God will strengthen you in this season. That he would strengthen you in a way that you never thought you'd be able to be strengthened before. That he would bring new uh, freshness to relationships. Not because you're perfect. Not because we're better, not because we have everything figured out, but because we choose to trust God, that God is who he says he is, that he's a restorer of things that were broken, that he's a healer of the things that have been diseased, that he is a giver of life to people who call upon his name. Like we really believe that is who Jesus is. Amen. As a church, just join with me in simple prayers. I pray a prayer blessing over you today. Father, I'm so grateful for this family of believers. God, I'm grateful for this community, the common ground that we celebrate in Jesus Christ. Father, go with every person today. May we walk with strength. May we walk with confidence. May we walk and may we live by faith and not by sight. Father, may we be a people that don't act like we have it all together, that don't act like we're perfect around every situation. But Father, may we live in this unity with one another, knowing that you are before us, that you're bigger than any conflict, that you're bigger than any disagreement, that you're bigger than any issue, that you're bigger than any uh, uh, quarrel that may happen amongst people, that, Father, you're for us and not against us. Father, strengthen every marriage today, God. Strengthen every relationship, every uh, daughter and every mother and every son and every father. Father, strengthen those relationships today. Father, I'm so grateful that you've called us for such a time as this. Father, may we, may we recognize that the way that we live with you can be attractive to those who are around us in the unity that we live with. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for watching. I pray that that message was a blessing to you and I pray it's encouraged you um, wherever you find yourself in your journey of life. We never like to end any one of our services without giving you um, the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised to life, that you will be saved. And salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work towards it. It can only be received. It's this incredible grace that comes only from God. So the Bible says that right where you are in your season, not trying to fix anything else, not trying to get yourself better, not waiting or putting off salvation, but today to make the decision to say yes to Jesus, that you know you can't save you, that you need Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says it only requires you to say a simple prayer. So repeat after me, just say this prayer. Say, dear, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again. Come into my life and make me new. I'm now a Christian, Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you just said that prayer, we believe that your eternity is secure in Christ. One of the things that 
I wanna encourage you to do, your next step, if you would, um, is to tell somebody, whether you're telling us through the website and contacting us and informing us or telling someone else at a local church that maybe you visited. The second thing I wanna encourage you to do is to be planted in a healthy Bible-based church, whether it's True North Church or another church close to you, find a church community to do life with. Man, we're so excited for you. Make sure that you get a Bible. If you don't have one, please reach out to us. We'd love to bless you with the Bible and encourage you on your journey with Jesus. I'm excited for you. I truly believe that your best days are still ahead.